where do you see yourself? Like, do you still see yourself living exactly as you're living right now for like an extra 10 years, an extra 20 years, depending on how old you are and depending how long you want to be working or doing your stuff? Because when you do stuff like me, I don't consider what I do as working. So I don't see myself stopping. Fabienne Raphael is a business coach and the creator of the Dream Method and the Coaching Empire Elite Mastermind, where she helps high achievers monetize their knowledge, replace their income, fire their boss, and build a coaching and consulting business that they can be proud of. But her story is not another cookie-cutter corporate-to-coaching story. She started out as an athlete, starred in her own reality show, and ran a therapy sourcing agency. Now, with all that success under her belt, what brought her to coaching? And I remember that it was very appealing to me because either healthcare or home staging is a lot of trading time for money. So it's not that the businesses were not working. It's just that I was working a lot. The coaching business is like really appealing. And eventually it became clear to me that this is what I wanted to do. In this episode, I asked Fabienne about her incredible ability to see life as her own playground. Trust me, we only wish we had the same ability to see our future as clearly as she does and to launch ourselves into our destiny as completely as she does. It's like there's no limits with this woman. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. In the full version, you're going to hear more details about Fabienne's roots, including her time representing the Canadian handball team in Denmark and how being an athlete helped her form her work ethic. To watch, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while doing your final holiday shopping, only five days to Christmas, guys, take a moment to head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the athlete-turned-coach, Fabienne Raphael. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hi, everybody. Today, we have my friend, Fabian Raphael. Fabian, it's so good to see you. Thank you for yeah, being here. I'm excited. I am super excited. By the way, I like to do my research and I learned a whole bunch of things about you that I didn't know before. So before we dive in, can you tell everyone what you do and who you serve right now? Okay. So I'm Fabian Rafael. I'm the creator of the Dream Method and I'm also a business coach for high achievers. So I help them monetize their knowledge, replace their income, fire their jobs so they can become their own boss and finally live their purpose and change lives that they were meant to be, you know? So, uh, so that's what I do in a nutshell. 
in a nutshell. And I, I yeah. love it because I am going to have you describe what the dream method is. But before we get there, when you were in high school, what did you think you were going to do in college? What, did, what was life supposed to be like back then? I wanted to become a doctor from, let's say, I think when I started thinking about that, I was like maybe 10, 12 years old. And I always wanted to go into med school. So studying was extremely important, like getting high grades, because of course, this is what they check when you apply to go to med school. And then what happened is that, you know, when I applied, I got refused by like, I think it was like 0.5 points or something. So therefore, like you don't even go to the second round, which is the interviews, right? And I feel that I would have probably nailed the interview. But like, if you don't get there with the grades, then it's over, you know? So my second choice was physical therapy. So this is what I studied. And then at the same time, when I entered college for physical therapy, I entered Team Canada with handball. So it was like, I decided to tackle both challenges at the same time. And really, I didn't regret for anything, this decision that I took. Yeah. How did you get into handball? Number one, how did you get into it? And number two, what made you think, oh, let me try this professionally? Because you didn't just stop at like playing, you know, just playing for fun. You did this <laughs> professionally. So can you tell us how that path was? Well, I would say that, you know, when I grew up, my mom, she always believed because I was a little girl that I would not be really into sports. So she never thought about like, you know, make me do soccer. Like my brothers, for example, I would do ballet once a week. Like that's all sports I was doing. But at school though, I was playing dodgeball and all those sports, you know, I was running a lot and all that stuff. So this is where I realized, okay, I might have some skills in sports, right? And then when I entered high school, the handball coach, she was doing tryouts for the first year of high school. And she's like... I think you're good in sports. You should come to the tryouts for handball. And I was like, what's that? She's like, don't worry. You'll find out what it is. And then I went to the tryouts and I made the team. And this is how it got started, right? So all high school, I played just for fun because between high school and college here, there's a two years called CJEP, which is like preparing yourself for university or going to a technical school if you want to learn like some profession that is very technical. So during those two years, the national coach came to me and he's like, you know what, you should try out for Team Canada. And it had never been on my mind. I was like, okay, so let me come for one training. He made me do one training and I choked. I was like, this is too difficult for me. Like I was way younger than the other players and I saw what they were doing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so far away from doing this. So I said, no. And then the year after, you know, it was the 96 Olympics, Celine Dion was seeing the power of the dream in Atlanta. And it just got me. I was like, maybe it's my time. Maybe it's a sign. I was not accepted in med school, but, you know, I'm still going to physical therapy. And now I'm seeing this and I've got this invitation. I said no to because I was thinking that I would be too busy studying and stuff. I was like, let me give it a try. So this is how I got into, you know, Team Canada and playing handball. And then eventually, I think it was like almost 10 years after not 10 years, like eight, six to eight years after I started that with Team Canada, I got the opportunity to go play in Denmark in Copenhagen. So there was a coach who saw me at a training camp we had in Denmark and he remembered me from then. And he's like, I have a spot for a foreign player and I think you could be interesting for our team. It would be a great fit. Do you want to come? And that's how I, I was able to play in Copenhagen for two seasons. It was wow. 
I mean, that was my handball dream to play in Europe. So I was so glad, you know, that this opportunity showed up for me. And uh, of course, that trip was just amazing in so many ways. Can you tell me a little bit of what happened after you finished a second season in Denmark? Where was your heart at? What were the next steps for you and how did you feel about them? Tell me about that transition after oh, the second season. Um, well, I remember that when I came back, since Denmark was one of the first experience that I had to do like for a lot of self-growth, right? Because when you're alone in a country, you don't know anyone. Like, of course, you face some challenges sometimes and you have to figure it out. And then you discover that you have that potential to figure it out and overcome challenges, right? So I remember that when I came back home, the first thing I thought was like, it's as if like I was moving at a speed that everyone else was not moving at. It's as if my old environment didn't fit the person I became anymore. It was very weird. For a long time, like I had, I would say the Danish blues, if I can call it like that, you know, because out there I had like, I wouldn't say I had challenges every day, but I mean, you know, like it, it, it was different. And then when I came back to, you know, my old stuff and to, to everyone that I knew and was asking about, you know, what happened in their lives, I realized that everything was still the same. Mm -hmm. And I had lived like so many experiences over there. And then when I came back, I had many, many injuries. So I, I stopped playing for a whole year. I thought I would just retire. I was like, well, look at that. You know, like my last year of handball playing in Denmark would be great. Right. And then I thought I was done playing. So I stopped playing for a whole year because my body needed rest. And then I decided to come back after. But yeah, I came back to a job. And, you know, like this is where I feel that this is the period where I realized that maybe this was not the thing I wanted to do forever because I was back to being bored. Yeah. What was, <laughs> what was the job? What was the job? What were you doing when you came back? Oh, I was still a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was still a physical therapist in a private clinic. And, you know, like same thing, like you go every day and you treat people and then you finish working. I mean, my days were the same. I remember that year because I was not playing handball, I tried to, you know, do other things. So I went to her dance classes, African dance classes. It was so great. I learned how to draw portraits which was amazing. And I did that for a whole year, try to put my mind into something else and find another passion that would maybe give me that same spark as handball was doing it. And then I quickly realized that uh, nothing would replace handball yet. So I decided to start playing again like a year after when my body recovered and I was good to go. And then I re-entered Team Canada eventually. And then I retired for real for Team Canada in 2008, and then for my local team, 2010. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that, about finally saying, okay, I guess I'm retiring from this because you've already had a taste for what working at a clinic for physical therapy was. It doesn't sound, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but it doesn't sound like you would have been very excited about ending your tenure with Team Canada and then going back to physical therapy in a clinic. So can you tell us about that transition? I think that what was exciting to me in physical therapy was the before and after effect, mm -hmm. right? So when someone came in and they had an injury and with my help, they got better. And, you know, you see when someone feels better and all that stuff and you're like, wow, this is so fulfilling. So for me, that was very, very fulfilling. What I realized for me was a challenge is always to go to the same place for like those five days and being in the same environment. 
So how I was able to change that is eventually I became a consultant in physical therapy instead of being an employee. So I was able to have clients in different clinics. So I had contracts in different clinics. So at least, you know, it was not as I would go every day to the same place. So to me, just doing that little switch was like exciting. Right. And then that led to have my healthcare agency wait. helping other therapists. Wait, wait, wait. Zoom in, zoom in, because there's a lot of people who are listening right now who would love to fire their boss and start charging their boss more for their time as a consultant. So before you get, because I you created your own healthcare company, I want you to tell us more about that and the evolution of it. We're going to get there. But first, what gave you the courage? Nobody knows what's going to happen after you quit your job, right? Especially, you know, without having anything lined up. So tell us what was going through your mind. What was the plan? And how did you get your old boss to hire you back as a consultant so that you could be more independent? Tell us more about that. Yeah. So when I made that switch, in fact, I was working for a chain of hospice and I was responsible of doing evaluations for many, many residents there. And then I remember discussing with my life partner, he said, well, you know, what if you would switch into consultancy instead of just being an employee? And then he's like, well, you could charge more and maybe like have more of your freedom of time. You could have your own conditions and all that stuff. And then I decided to do it. And in that period, like they were looking for physical therapists everywhere. They were lacking that resource, right? In the healthcare system. So basically I resigned the Friday. And then not even two weeks later, I received a phone call and they said they would hire me as a consultant. So this is how we got started, you know, me working for myself. So doing that, I was like, Hey, since there's a lack of, you know, therapists around here, and I had a great network of other therapists that I knew, I was like, what if, you know, I could help those therapists and most of them had already a job somewhere, but they would want to do like extra hours working for themselves. Right. So I had like a few therapists and I was able to help them, you know, get some contracts into some clinics. And I had that healthcare agency for at least about four or five years. Yeah, it was great. That is awesome. And I want to know, at the same time or around this time, you're also into home staging, yeah, into yeah. like staging homes yeah. and you end up getting a TV show out of this. So I, I want everybody to understand that what we're listening to is like only like half the story, right? We've just gone through your pro handball player career, right? Now you're a woman of industry helping other physical therapists get work, right? You're completely independent. Where is this home staging business coming from? This comes from me watching a lot of decoration shows. One day I saw that there was a, a training and I decided to take it locally. And then I did some research and I found out about, you know, the founder of home staging who was giving a training in California. I was like, oh my God, like I can meet the founder, you know, of all the thing. So I paid for it and then I got my training in California. And then when I came back, of course, I had a few contracts for home staging and I met this girl at a certain point. She was a designer and we had lunch and she's like, I've always had this dream of, you know, having my own TV show. I was like, oh, me too. Mm -hmm. And she said, let's team up and let's craft something and then let's go pitch it somewhere. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do that? Right. And we just both did it just like that. And when we pitched it, 
it was at a time where the approach of our show was like to reuse stuff instead of buying new stuff, like take something that you already have and make it look better. So we would always decorate within what the person had and then just renew their stuff, update everything that they had inside their home, one room that they wanted to redo. Right. So I remember that when we pitched it at this network, they were like, don't go anywhere. Don't go to our competitors with this because that producer, she was like, I'm going to actually convince everyone else that this show needs to air on our channel. I was like, whoa. (gasps) And then eight months later, we were starting, you know, production. And we took a whole summer to film all the episodes. And then in December of that same year, it was on air. And it stayed there for, for three years, like the replays and all that stuff. So I was in that show for one whole season, like 10 episodes. It was amazing, amazing experience. Can you tell us a little bit of what it was like to have your own TV show that you pitched? If anybody's listening to this and becoming incredibly inspired by this because they already have an idea for a show and they want to go and pitch it, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you would give that person? Just believe in your project. I think this is what got us through because we had no experience in the media. I mean, I didn't even know that, you know, when you're on cam, for example, like you have to look at the camera all the time and you need to smile all the time, right? There are a few things, a lot of things that I learned on set because I was not someone who's used to do television, right? So I think that what made us go through with that project is the passion that we had for it and the belief that it was going to work. And I think that in everything in life, it's like that. The more you believe into it, like the more certainty you have, the more confidence you breathe, right? And then people want to be a part of that compared to if you're like, you're not sure or you're like wondering and all that stuff. Well, of course you have less chances of making it work. So I would say if you have that certainty that this could be your project and this could work, I mean, come on, like you got to give it a shot or else like we would have just sat there and, you know, figure out like, okay, what if we had done it? Like, what if we had pitched this channel and then they said, yes, yeah. But we did it and they actually accepted like first pitch, first accepted. It was just a dream. Yeah. So from a personal perspective, so you go and you create this season at a TV show. This is a lot of visibility. This is a a brand new field. What are your feelings about what your next steps are supposed to be? You still have your healthcare agency. You've just been on TV. The last thing that I would think of is the next step is for you to become a business coach. So I need you to help me figure out because from these two stages, right, from healthcare and from having been on TV with an amazing home staging business, I would have imagined that the next step would have been something either in healthcare or either in more TV or more exposure for home staging or for, for anything else. Can you tell us why those paths how those paths turn into business coaching. Like, yeah. you got to help me understand where you came from and where you ended up right there. Okay. What so what happened is that, you know, I kept going to a lot of trainings because I was investing already into like personal development conferences. And then I found this online marketing conference. And when I learned about marketing, I realized that marketing was the missing piece in my former businesses, right? In the healthcare and then also in the home staging. So I learned a lot of stuff about marketing, but then this is the first place that I got in touch with people doing online coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Being online coaches, working for themselves from home 
and, you know, helping others change our lives and all that stuff. And I remember that it was very appealing to me because either healthcare or home staging is a lot of trading time for money. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the businesses were not working. It's just that I was working a lot, right? And yeah, that lifestyle was very appealing. And also what I loved about it is the fact that it still had that before and after effect, you know, like physical therapy had, like home staging had, you know, like the coaching business is like, you see your client when they come in, they aren't sure, they're overwhelmed, they don't know where they're going. And then, you know, you see them gain confidence, change their mindset, doing stuff, you know, showing up and having clients themselves and quit their job and all that stuff. So this is a huge before and after effect. And I remember that to me, this was really appealing. And I decided, you know, to actually educate myself more and more in that field. And eventually it became clear to me that this is what I wanted to do. I want to know the Fabiana of that time, right? When you're right at the verge of this discovery of business coaching. If I were to talk to her now, what advice would you have given to business owners or people who are working full-time who want to start their businesses? You've already started two successful ones. You've already been a pro athlete. You've done it all. Back then, what advice would you have given people about the businesses they wanted to start from the lessons that you were getting in your experience? Hmm, I would say that just like really think about how you want to live your life. I think for me, that was the biggest thing. Because I've always been a family person. And to me, spending time with my family was important. Being responsible of my own schedule was important. Working with whoever I chose to work with was important. So I realized that, yes, the coaching business was really the answer to all these things that, you know, that lifestyle that I wanted to experience. And also, like, with everything that I gained from the experience I had before, I already had a lot of skills to show others, you know, to help them solve many problems, even though at that period, I wasn't really sure about it, but I still did. So the advice I would give you is that just like to take some time to reflect on where do you see yourself? Like, do you still see yourself living exactly as you're living right now for like an extra 10 years, an extra 20 years, depending on how old you are and depending how long you want to be working or doing your stuff? Because when you do stuff like, me, I don't consider what I do as working. So I don't see myself stopping. I don't see myself retiring from coaching business. Like I enjoy that so much that, you know, to me, yes, maybe I could take less clients eventually, but I love what I do. Right. So yeah, that's the advice I would give, you know, think about how you want to live your life and what's important to you, what values are important to you. And then ask yourself, okay, what you're doing now, do you still see yourself doing that in 10 years, 15 years? And if it's a no, then it means that it's probably time to shift or, you know, like explore what avenues you could go to and then see if that would be the spark that you're looking for in your life. Yeah. I like it that you said that. I remember talking to someone way in the beginning of my business and she told me that she really loved food, the concept of food. And she wanted to maybe like start a restaurant or have a food cart or like something like that. She's like, oh my God, having a restaurant with my recipes and my mother's recipes would be amazing. I'm like, okay, so why do you want to start your new business? And she tells me, oh, because I want to spend more time with my family. And I'm like, have you seen how much restaurant owners work and what their hours are and what, you know, they're basically at the restaurant all the time until late hours in the day. So there's something 
that, you know, she had this dream for a business and she also had values that she held that she wanted to have more time to spend with her family. She wanted to do more things. So I'm like, have you thought of maybe, you know, start by having a food blog, right? Start by having a YouTube channel where you showcase your food. You get to make it. You don't have the crazy hours, right? There's other things that you can do and coaching. That's why I call it the global phenomenon is because you can actually do anything, from your home and really have that freedom. So if the restaurant is really what you want to do, just walk into it with open eyes. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that you're signing up for, figure out how to make it fit your values as well. So mm -hmm. I like that you say that. Like Think about how you want to live your life and then go after that. So can you tell me what is the dream method? Because now you're full-blown business coach, helping people really make it happen. And you coined this dream method. Can you tell us a little bit of what it is? Yeah. So the dream method is the framework that my clients go through when they work with me so they can create their coaching business and have the skills for it to be sustainable. And then what they learn with the dream method is something that it can repeat over time and will still get them the results. So it has to do with, you know, each letter stands for something. So the D stands for designing your dream offer. So packaging your knowledge in order to make it appealing for your perfect client to say, oh my God, she has the solution I'm looking for and I want to sign up with her. The R is about reinforcing your sales skills. So anything that goes from, you know, talking to someone on social media or meeting someone live, if you identify that this person is a prospect, how to take that person from a lead to a client. So all the, the sales process. The E is about enhancing the know, like, and trust factor. So as you know, I mean, we do business with people we know, like, and trust. And if we don't know how to nurture that along the way, and if the person doesn't know you, doesn't like you, or doesn't trust you before getting on the call with you, well, it's going to be harder and harder to sell to that person. Uh, the A is about adding more clients to your business with your personalized marketing strategy. And I love to say personalized because I'm an anti-cookie cutter strategy. I don't like when people say, do as I do, and you'll get the same results because everyone's different and everyone doesn't have the same strengths. So me, I love to say that, you know, you should always double down on your strengths. So I help my clients go with what they're strong at and push that into their marketing. And then finally, the M is about make your clients your forever fans. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that, hey, you know, I have a client and then one time after three months, six months, program is done. Bye. Okay. It was great. Right. But then they don't think how they could support their clients for a longer period of time. Because we know that the lowest cost of marketing is actually marketing to your actual clients because they know what kind of results you can give them because they enjoy working with you already and because they're already your fan and they love to be coached by you. So why don't you figure out like already in advance in your head, like what can happen after that person is done so they can come back again for extra support at a higher level. So that's what I help my clients with. And I have heard you say before that you should not be focusing on building up your weaknesses, right? Like hire out someone who is a lot better at those things and really use your time, the limited time we'll have to double down on your strengths. Can you tell us a little bit more about that philosophy? 
Yeah, because this is a mistake I did for way too long when I got started with like my first business. I thought that I was the one who had to learn everything. So I needed to know about marketing, about accounting, about the systems, about like getting people, you know, the email management and all that stuff. Like I really thought I had to learn everything and I was really focusing on what I didn't know instead of doubling down on, you know, what I was already strong at. And I remember that this coach that I hired, he was like, so how is it going? You know, like he made me do a test about like what my strengths are. And then he's like, you should only focus on that. I was like, what about that? What about that? What about that? Like, I don't know how to do that. He's like, well, that's what we call team members, you know, or people that you can hire occasionally for a certain project, right? Because if you lose time learning, then you're losing like all the potential that you already have with something that you shine with, right? And so you should really double down on what you are great at. And for me, like anything that has to do with communicate with people, you know, interacting, being live or or speak on stages or, you know, like just like talking on the phone with people, connecting and making these connections and those calls then this is my strength. And I realized that I was focusing way more on the stuff that I didn't know. And of course, like things started shifting in a positive way when I decided that, hey, I'll show my strong side first. I'm not saying that everything that you're weak at, you should never work on it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that especially when you are beginning, you should definitely take what you already have in order to get those results like quicklier instead of wasting time into learning stuff that you're not great at already. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And by the way, just a quick tip for everyone. There's a lot of people who are starting in their freelancing careers and that they're starting in their businesses, their prices are naturally going to be cheaper. We encourage them to raise them as they, you know, get that confidence and that experience. But there are a lot of people out there. You don't have to, you know, drop $5,000 to get somebody to do something for you. As you're starting your business, allow your business to scale little by little. So there are ways for you to get help without having to give up all of your earnings from the business to somebody. So there's always ways to make that outsourcing work. So Fabian, this has been amazing. I just want you to leave us with just like one piece of advice that you wish somebody had told you in the beginning when you went to that awesome marketing conference, right? You wish somebody had mentioned this one thing to you because everything would have been so much smoother. What would that thing be? I hire your first coach the quickest possible. Gosh, <laughs> You know, like when you enter a new project, you're so excited. You're like, I'm going to rule the world and do everything and be great at it. And then you come back on earth and you're like, wait a minute, like <laughs> what's happening here? And yeah, I remember when I hired my first coach, I was like, oh my, I should have done that way sooner, you know, yeah. because when you hire someone to help you out, they've been through stuff and, you know, they tell you about it. So you're not making the same mistake. So definitely you don't lose as much time than if you're trying to figure it out on your own. So definitely I would say hire your first coach the quickest possible. Just do that ASAP. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? Well, it's funny because like, I feel that because I'm so positive and this is actually what I have, that kind of energy. And so people, when I talk about flaws or when the days that I have self-doubt or, you know, like what I've experienced as setbacks and all that stuff, 
sometimes people are surprised. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, you went through this? I was like, yeah, I'm kind of human too, you know? Like, <laughs> it's not because I took the decision to see the bright side of things most of the time instead of, you know, staying in the complaining negative zone for too long because I realized that along the way, this is what makes me go forward the fastest, that I don't experiment those days or that I didn't have like hard times before. So it always makes me smile when people are like, oh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you've been through that. Yeah, I'm yeah. human too. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Because they're like the, one of the most positive people that I know. So, and finally, is there one thing that everybody who's listening right now should do in the next 24 hours? And by the way, you have the power to make them do this in the next 24 hours. They have to do it. What would that thing be? Wow, I'm so huge about connecting with people. I would say just go back to what you posted and connect with someone who interacted with it. Just start a conversation. Because these things, like you never know where they could lead. And for me, like since I started my online journey and I had my podcast and I interviewed a ton of people, connected with so many people. And some of them, you know, one of my friends I'm thinking about, Suzanne Rowan, I interviewed Suzanne, I think it was episode three on my podcast. And it was back in 2014. And she's still my friend today. She came to Montreal two years ago or last year and we hung out. Like, it was fun. And we still talk about Grey's Anatomy and all that stuff. Well, you know, and that all started with me connecting with her and asking her if she wanted to be a guest on my podcast, right? Yeah. Sometimes it leads to collaboration. Sometimes it's someone who needs your help. Sometimes you need that person's help. You never know where that might lead. And I feel that, you know, all of us, we have something in common. We're all human beings looking to be liked and appreciated. So why don't we connect with each other more, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. So Tell us, where can everybody go find you and follow you? Yeah, so you can find me at FabienneRafael.com. And this is where also you'll find your free gift. And if you're ready to take action, you're like, okay, let's stop the fluff and let's do something about my coaching business. Then you can go at FabienneRafael.com forward slash coaching. Love it. Thank you so much, Fabienne, for being here. This was a lovely time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, and it was fun, actually, to remind myself of all these times and what I've been through and where I am today. So thank you for that. It's a great story. So thank you for sharing it with us. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering how you can also get started with your coaching business. In the next episode, we're going to walk through the coaching business process from scratch. Are you ready for this? Subscribe now so you don't miss it. And if you're an entrepreneur and you'd like to send us your tip of the week for a chance to get featured on a future companion episode, make sure to go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash tip to request the full instructions. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.